Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? I hope you're doing well. My name is Josh Bertram. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Grace Crossing. It's great to have you here with us this morning. We are in week three of our Transformed series, and this series is all about the idea that Jesus rose from the dead, and that changes everything. No, it's about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead, how it changes our lives and what it means for us today. And I'm super excited to talk with you all this morning because I think we're going to talk today about something that is extremely important for everyone, well, for everyone, and for everyone especially who considers themselves a Christian, someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have put trusting faith, a trusting relationship in Christ as Lord, believing what he did and what he said and what he's going to do. And I think today we're going to talk about a topic that sometimes can be misunderstood, but it truly changes everything. But before we get to that, I have a son. Surprise. No. Um, I have a son. His name is Malachi. He's two and a half. He's really, really cute. And um, he looks like me. Come on. Uh, and, and his mother, of course. Um, but he has this obsession right now with octopuses. I'm serious. Um, or, or the more technical term that he uses, apopus. And, and a simp, which means shrimp. We have to translate, his name's Malachi, we have to translate into Malanese whenever we, uh, when we're talking to him. But he has this obsession, and, and literally he sits there and he watches these like five-minute YouTube clips on octopuses. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And their, and their cousins in the animal world. And one of their cousins is the cuttlefish. Now, for those of you who don't know who cuttlefish are, there's a picture right there. Now, before you think the cuttlefish is named the cuttlefish because it likes to cuddle and hug you, um, that is very wrong. <laughs> Instead of cuddling and hugging you, the cuttlefish shoots out two tentacles at lightning speed, grasps you, pulls you in, and devours you while you're still alive. Not you, you're too big. But if you were smaller, it would do that. And the cuttlefish is amazing because the cuttlefish can change shape, actually literally changes its skin, it can change its color, it can like flash, it's so weird, like these like, flashes of light illuminating from its skin. The cuttlefish is an unbelievably strange and fascinating animal. And as I'm watching these YouTube videos with Malachi, I can't help but just start thinking, because I'm a preacher and I always try to make something relate to spiritual things. So I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, this creature has to kill something in order to stay alive, right? Something has to die in order for this creature to live the life that it's supposed to live. 
Right? This creature is kind of ideally fitted for where it's at in its environment. And, and it really, it's nature, like the essence of what this cuttlefish is, it needs to, in the life of other things, to live the life it was made to live. You know, it's funny because you look into the animal kingdom, right, and you see all sorts of this life cycle where death is part of life. It's something that has to happen. And so many creatures, right, they, uh, either they are prey or they are predator and something has to die in order for life to continue and be the way it is made and, and the purpose it has. So I was thinking, man, there, there's, a, there's a spiritual truth here. You know, something has to die so that we can live, right? And, and you know, the big idea, and this is kind of um, the, the big thing I want you to believe this morning, to walk away at least thinking about, is, uh, is this. We're going to put it up on a screen for you, but if, if you want to truly live, something has to die. You can't truly live unless something really dies. You know, you start to look at this and you think about, um, you know, you think about our lives as, as Christians and following in Jesus, but there, there's a principle here that's all through the scriptures. Well, we, we know, and if you don't know, I'll tell you this morning that Jesus, right, he had, he had to die so that we could live, and we'll talk more about that as we progress, but you know, there's something inside of us that needs to die. And actually, the scriptures talk about this. The Bible talks about this. When I talk about the scriptures, I mean the 66 books of the combined Old and New Testament. And there's this letter in the New Testament. It is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, sixth. Romans, it's the sixth book of the New Testament. It's actually not a book, it's a letter. And it's a letter that Paul, an apostle, and this guy persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. He sat there and and proclaimed a, a death sentence on Christians. He turned in to an evangelist. He turned into someone who was the greatest evangelist almost in history. And he wrote the majority of books, letters, and what we consider the New Testament. And Paul, in his letter to people at Rome, it's in Romans 8.13, he he illuminates this principle, and it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And we'll talk about what that means. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Something has to die in order for us to really live, in order for us to live in the way that God designed us to live, in the way that God really wants us to live. You know, Paul, right, and we have, we have a little timeline here so you can understand. He, he wrote one of the uh, letters in the New Testament. You see all those things, right? All those yellow things are different books. And Romans right there in red. And you can see here, right, uh, Paul's third missionary journey. Paul imprisoned in Caesarea. You see that at the top there. Paul is writing this letter 
right before he heads back to Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested and sent to Rome. And he's writing to them. And in this letter, we can look just very briefly at an outline. We see that Paul greets them. He talks about the power of God for salvation. He talks about our fallen condition, no matter if we're Jews or Gentiles, everybody, we have a law that God has given us either written in a book or written on our hearts. And no matter what way we slice it, we don't live up to our own standards. All of us fall short of what God wants us to do. So there's no one that's righteous. But what did God do? He sent Jesus Christ. What does justification mean? It means that God sent Jesus in our place. And because of what Jesus did, we can now stand before God in a right relationship with him because Jesus satisfied the demands that God had. And right in the middle of this idea of God's righteousness and sanctification is a fancy word for growing in your ability to live for God. Right in there, we find our passage, life in the spirit. And this changes everything because Jesus rose from the dead and he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes everything. When we look at Romans 8, 13, when he says, put to death the misdeeds of the body, I think we have principles here that when we go back and look through can answer the question, how do we, as those who follow Christ, how do we conquer sin in our life? How do we get rid of it? And I think Paul provides a compelling answer. And we see it here that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. So this contrast of life and death sitting here in this verse. And there's some principles here I want to look at. And the first principle is this, that the Holy Spirit gives us power to conquer the sin in our life so that we can live. He gives us power. So now we kind of need to define some terms here. The first thing we need to define is what is sin? What does it mean according to the flesh? Well, what that means is that all of us have what's called a sinful nature. When we go just a little bit before into Romans 8, um, I think, believe five through eight, here's what it says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are co- controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never obeys God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, we all know that there's something wrong with us, don't we? I mean, I guess I can't speak for you, but there's definitely something wrong with me. And when I look at what's going on here in this passage, I see an explanation for what's going on inside of me. There is a sinful nature in my mind and in my heart that is at war with God. Doesn't just not like God, it doesn't just resist God. It is actively and persistently at war with 
the creator, with God. And this sinful nature, you can kind of define, because you've got to understand what sin is. And, you know, we kind of say these words in church like sin and salvation, and we don't define them sometimes. So we assume that everybody knows what we mean, we're all on the same page, but we might not be in sin as best as I can understand it in the scriptures is this. It is any violation of the moral standards of God. Sin is a failure to conform to God's law in act, attitude, or nature. Now you think about this, our attitude. You know, we all understand this intuitively. If we go to our child, for those of us who have children, and we say, I would like you to go do this, and they go do it but have a bad attitude about it, we don't like that. There's something missing because their attitude stinks. Really, it's about motivation, isn't it? See, see, I could give my wife flowers and give my wife whatever she would want and give her a massage and all this different stuff, which is a good idea, and I do that from time to time, okay? Um, but I can do all of that but if in my heart I don't love her and my motivation is just to get what I want from her, it takes away the whole thing. So we look at this attitude and we say, oh man, why does God care about our attitude? Well, he cares because we care about people's attitude. It matters what the motivation is, doesn't it? It matters. And when you think about the acts of sin, what actually happens in our heart, the acts of sin is that we actually go into bad behavior. We do things that are wrong. And our thinking leads to behavior that isn't right. And even when the behavior is good and our attitude is bad, we don't like that. But conversely, if we say the right things and if we promise that our motivations are pure, but our actions never speak of that and never show that, we will be found to be false. And we all understand this intuitively. We don't have to work to understand this. We understand it just by itself. If someone says, I love you, but does nothing to show that, we begin to doubt whether or not that's true. And we think about our nature what our nature is. In Romans 7, 21 through 25, it says something really interesting. I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Hello? I mean, I see myself in this. I don't know about you guys, okay? Um, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power at work within me that's at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. It's our very nature. There is something inside of us, again, that is at war with God. And we understand this. We see that the very nature of something defines how it acts. We categorize people and, and groups and cultures and animals and everything according to the characteristics of who they are. And in our nature, at the very core of who we are, we are good and bad. 
We are capable of great love and great good. And at the same time, not, not at a different time, at the same time, we are capable of immense evil. Crooked motivations, bad intentions, deceit, lies, cheating, stealing, murder. It's within us. We have a sinful nature. When we live according to that, Paul says that we inherit death. Because sin has to be dealt with. When you disobey the creator, something has to happen. A consequence has to come. Parents, we understand this with our children. A life without consequences is not really a good life consequences have to happen. And so we have a sin nature and we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is so mysterious to us, right? But when we think about it, God is not just one person. We have one God and three persons, and I don't have time to explain everything. Well, I couldn't even explain it all anyway. It's a mystery, and it's part of the very nature of God. But when we look at this, this might be helpful, this little graphic for us, that we see that the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son, but the Son is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And so what we have is we have a trinity, a triune, a three persons in one God, and this God The Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to the others. The Holy Spirit is almost like the operating system on the computer that helps us actually interact and interface with who God is. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the ability to please God. The Holy Spirit is the one that we interact with and that we experience and that we know when we talk about knowing God. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. If you feel like you're God's child today, it's because the Holy Spirit is helping you feel that. He's telling you that and showing you that. Now, we need to be able to live a life as Christians where we are conquering sin. And there's a principle here that I find that's amazing. And we have to go back to Romans 8, 9, just a few verses before. And here's this principle. I'm going to tell you what it is, and then I'm going to show you in the text. The principle is we put to death the sin in our life. We conquer it, the sin in our life, by becoming aware of the power that is within us. Romans 8, 9, it says this, you are not in the realm of, of the spirit. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. And if you have the spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. 
We have the power within us to conquer sin. See, there's a myth that happens, and I see this all the time, and I see it in my own life. We get very, very excited that Jesus Christ came and ministered and died and was raised again, and we receive the forgiveness of sins. And yes, we receive the forgiveness of sins, but the myth is that Jesus died only so that we would receive forgiveness of sins. When Jesus died and the resurrection happened and he sent the Holy Spirit, yes, we receive forgiveness of sins because of what Christ done, but we receive forgiveness of sins and empowerment over them. See, so often I hear Christians, guys, who come to this myth that Jesus forgave my sin, but I'm still a slave to it. That he forgave me for all I do, but I'm still under its control. I can't get away from it. It still controls everything I do. And if you want to put to death the sin in your life, if you want to live by something having to die, if you want that to be true in your life, the first thing you have to do is become aware of the fact that Jesus didn't just die to forgive you of sin. He died to empower you over sin. You do not have to be captive and slave to your sinful habits anymore. I know too many people who live in defeat because they just don't get this foundational principle. It isn't just about you being forgiven. It's about you living a life God has called you to live and that requires you conquer sin. And you can because the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're sitting here today and you say you are a follower of Christ, then you, by definition, have the Holy Spirit in you. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you do not live under control of sin. You live under the control of the Spirit. That means you can choose differently. That means your pornography addiction doesn't control you and it doesn't define you. It means that your habit of overeating does not define you and it should not control you. It means that your inability to become connected or intimate with person after person after person in a relationship should not define you. It should not control you. It is not what God wants for you and you have the power within you residing inside of you to actually change it. But we live in this world where we think only forgiveness. Oh, I've just messed up again, messed up again, messed up again. Now, let me tell you, God's forgiveness is limitless. You can do the most vile of things and receive the grace and love of Jesus Christ to forgive you and wash you clean. But at the same time, you gotta understand you no longer have to live in that. You are empowered to be a different person. And look, I get it. I live in times where I have these, I've had these addictions, I've had things in my life that I felt have been all controlling, but as I look back, I see the faithfulness of God again and again and again to say, no, it's not true that that controls you. I do. I have power, not sin. It did, it doesn't anymore. So the things in our life that we struggle with, yes, We're always going to struggle, guys. We're never going to be perfect here. That's not what I'm saying. But if the same thing is happening again and again and again and again and again, it should be a flag, a warning sign in your heart that something is wrong. There is a disconnect between you and the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us 
to conquer sin. But he doesn't just empower us to conquer sin. I, and I don't want to convince you and help you become aware of this, uh, of this fact in two ways. What Jesus did for us helps us to become aware of the power we have over sin and what Jesus will do for us. And so I think when we look at these two things, and here's the principle, we have the power to destroy sin in our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have the power to destroy the sin, to take over the sin in our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross. Look at Romans 8.10. It's a great verse. It says, Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Jesus Christ makes us right with God. And what did he did on the cross, nothing can change. No sin can change what God did. No power can change what God did. No authority can change what God did. No situation you face can change what God did. Jesus Christ once for all came to this earth, took on the full weight of God's wrath and his anger and his justice at what sin is. And he took that on the cross and he defeated it. And he gives that power to you and I. No matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we screw up in life, we will never ever, when we follow Christ, we will never ever be counted as unrighteous. We will never be wrong with God because Jesus made us right with God. And your sin can't change what Jesus did. It's once and for all. It's permanent. It's residing. It is the most stable force in this universe, it is the basis of all our faith that what we, Jesus did for us makes us right with God. And just that simple understanding, coming to the fact that this is actually true, it shows us that sin doesn't have power over us. Look, if Jesus took on my sin, if he took on my punishment and there is no punishment for me now because Jesus took it on, there is no even death for me now because of what Jesus did. When I follow him, he gives me what I don't deserve and I give him what he doesn't deserve, my sin, and he gives me what I don't deserve, his life and his, and his righteousness, his right standing before God who is just and good and merciful. When Jesus did that, then nothing in this world can defeat you. He's already done it. He took on everything. So we, we conquer sin when we think back and appreciate and understand the fact that what Christ did for us makes us right with God. And you know, we're kind of, all of us have this day ahead of us, right? When we're going to be done here on earth. All of us. And as we move towards that day, our bodies kind of start to break down a little bit, don't they? You know, I got this neck things going on and my teeth kind of hurt now. And 
But he says, you know, even though your body is dying, the Spirit's giving you life. You know, your vision might be going. But even as your vision begins to fade, you see God more clearly. Because the Spirit of God gives you life as you spend time with him and as you live with him and as you trust him in the circumstances of life. And even though your hearing starts to go a little bit, right, it's not at the same, you know, can't, can't uh, you know, discern the same decibels and things like that, frequencies as you did before, even as your hearing is beginning to fade, you begin to hear God more clearly. You see his faithfulness in life. You, you, you hear his word and you understand it more because you've spent adequate time with him and and the spirit is giving you life and even as your hairline begins to thin right your relationship with Christ goes deeper and deeper and deeper and fuller and fuller and you fall in love with your wife again and your husband again and you see your children and grandchildren grow up into your example as you've followed Christ and the spirit even as you are dying and progressing towards that day your soul is not becoming less it's becoming more it's becoming greater it's becoming stronger and as you face the circumstances of life and even as your mind begins to fade even at the same time is that you grow in the most important thing that you can have trust in God and so in some sense you become impenetrable you become immune to the circumstances and the sinful habits of life Because even as your body is decaying, your soul is being made alive. The spirit of God is giving you life because we've been made right with God. We are not conquered by sin. Something has to die so that we can really live. The Holy Spirit gives us something else that helps us conquer sin in our life. The Holy Spirit gives us a vision for the future. We look at Romans 8, 11. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead, listen to this, will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Guys, this isn't all there is. What Jesus did was just a foretaste of what he promises will happen. And we can trust that promise because he already made good on the first one, which was impossible. And yet God did it. And he promises another promise, that he will return and that our bodies, even though they're fading away, our soul is growing stronger because our soul is going to leave this body and we're going to be given a new one. I want to inspire you with a vision of what's to come. You know, there's a day when we won't feel pain anymore. There's a day when we won't experience the grief of loss. There's a day coming when we won't hate looking in the mirror. There's a day coming when the emotional distress that we're in will no longer control us and will no longer 
ravage us. There is a day coming where we will be free from jealousy, free from contempt, where we will be free from anger. We won't get angry anymore. We won't get jealous anymore. We won't get sad anymore. We will not be subject to all the things that we struggle with in life, all the things that beat us down and beat us up. We won't have black eyes and we won't have bruised hearts. We will have a day when all things will be made new and all things will be made right and we will have a body perfectly fitted for us and those around us and it will not decay. It will not lose anything. We will be in perfection, growing in the knowledge of Jesus, loving him, loving others, meeting those we've lost. Meeting daughters and sons and grandparents and parents and friends on that day. You know, a vision inspires people to do something. It immobilizes the immobile. It, it, it stirs something in the soul. And I want to give you a mouth-watering vision of what's to come. Jesus will take every imperfection that you like, everything you hate about yourself will be gone and will be replaced with something beyond your dreams. When you are struggling with the sins of this world, with the things that hold you down and keep you back, I want you to imagine that day. And I want you to think back, you know, Imagine that you're there looking back and saying, I see the faithfulness of God. And and in reality, none of that stuff, it's just a shadow. It's just a whisper. It's nothing compared to what I have now. Get a vision of heaven. When you get a vision of heaven, when you get a vision of what God has for you, then the things of this world just seem to be less weighty. The Holy Spirit is in us and his power will raise us from the dead just like he raised Jesus. You know, in the end, something, right, has to die in order for us to truly live, but I think it actually is a little bit better said that for us to truly live, someone had to die. You know, when we talk about all this stuff and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to be, you know, like a magician that just gives us whatever he wants. No, he comes to form us into the image of Christ. He comes to make us look like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He endured under great suffering. He had a vision of what God was going to do and he trusted him. Jesus knew and he was planted on the sure foundation, the the unstoppable, unbreakable foundation of the Father's love. He knew exactly what was going to happen. You guys can go ahead. He knew exactly what was going to happen and he trusted God and he loved God and Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life he did. He didn't perform those miracles because he was the son of God. He performed them because the Holy Spirit empowered him to do it. 
in his body. He wasn't able to endure suffering because he was the son of God. He endured suffering because the Holy Spirit gave him power to do it. And if that same Holy Spirit, because Jesus didn't rise from the dead, because he made himself do it as the son of God, he did it because the Holy Spirit came and agreed with him and what was going to happen and empowered him to rise, gave him a different body, perfect body. Just a, just a foretaste of what we get. I have some questions for us that I want you to think through today. As they sing one last chorus for us this morning, uh, do you need to move beyond forgiveness to empowerment? You, you know, if this describes you, what I, what I would love for you to do is take some time to write down what are those issues that are stubborn, Am I too prideful? Do I get too angry? Do I have a short fuse? Do I have an addiction that I just can't seem to conquer? Are things getting worse rather than better? What do you need to move beyond? Yes, God will always forgive you, but what do you need to move beyond from forgiveness to empowerment? Once you identify those things, begin to search the scriptures. Begin to look for that theme, that issue within the Bible, and you'll find it or you'll still find something related to it and begin to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit for his empowerment over that. And he will, you'll see it. It's like a process. It's amazing. Like you'll, you'll be sitting there struggling with this. For me, I know one thing is I just, I just love to eat all the time. You know, I ate a lot and I gained so much weight from when I was in college. And then somehow, you know, once you start just giving this to Christ, you just kind of get the ability to choose. I don't have to go to Taco Bell at 1 a.m. You know, I don't have to do it. You also don't have to look at porn at 1 a.m. You don't have to go visit with that man who's not your husband at 1 a.m. You don't have to do that. So, so do you need to move beyond forgiveness to empowerment? They might, that might require confession, talking to someone, making things right with people you've wronged. Whatever it is, we'll help you. Get into a connection group. They'll help you. You can move beyond. Do you need to become more aware of the power available to you? Do you just need to become aware? Hey, I, I, I can do this. Do you need some confidence this morning? Do you need to appreciate more what God has already done for you through Christ? Is it just old now that Jesus died for you? Is it just, ah, yeah? Or does it touch you to the core who you are? The nastiness of your sin and the great love of God for you. That he would do this in your place. Do you need to become more aware? And do you need to catch a vision for what he will do with you through the Holy Spirit. Not only in this life, and he will do it amazing things, but the vision of them. No, if you're here this morning, none of this makes sense to you. I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to write down the issues you have, the questions you have, what's going on in your heart. Write them down and look for answers. Because I, I found this, guys. If you really want answers, you're going to write them down and find them. But if you want excuses, you can find those too.
And so do you want answers or do you want an excuse to live the way you want to live with no accountability? I mean, what do you have to lose just asking God to reveal himself to you? Man, commit to one week. God, will you reveal yourself to me? Just see what happens. Something's got to die in order for us to live. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.